podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Football is many things. Unpredictable, exciting, colourful, passionate, absorbing, expensive. Venal, infuriating, exasperating, time-consuming, depressing. But one thing it most certainly is not is a level playing field. Welcome to the famous sloping pitch. Every now and again, the last time being 1985, I decide that I'm not going to go to football anymore. I have a glimpse of the madness of sitting or standing through an expensive couple of hours of notional entertainment, only to leave not only unentertained, but actually profoundly disappointed and occasionally depressed. And today, just to set out my stool, I intend to be grouchy. There is no love left in me. And apart from that, I'm poorly. And I want to stress, I want to stress that I am not sulking, all right? This has nothing to do with Stoke losing 4-0 at home on Sunday. A performance, (laughs) incidentally, of breathtaking ineptitude, heartbreaking carelessness, conducted with a mind-boggling lack of grit. As a fun day out, it was akin to paying 30 quid to have someone rub dog shit in your eyes. Did you watch it, Chris? Did you watch that? I did watch some of it, I'm afraid, yeah. God, yeah. it was so awful. There was a in, in in traditional fashion. There was a bloke behind me who came up with the answer, and he said, "Well, the problem is, you see, their fat one's better than our fat one." <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was a great a great tactical insight. Uh, yeah, it was depressing, and 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 it succeeded in depressing. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, no. Similarly, in the uh, Oldham uh, Wrexham game, one of the comments afterwards that I read was that that uh, their tiny boy was better than one of our tiny boys. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, and uh, you know, I'm a, a fan of uh, new terminology in, in football being introduced to the game. We spoke, didn't we? About about uh, someone being off grass last week. Yes, 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 yes. And uh, yeah, and I'm sorry to hear that you're you're poorly. But uh, Mark, our producer, tells me that poorly apparently means goes to away games, which actually chimes in with uh, with your attitude to the to the day out. Just, yeah. being, just you have to be uh, some have some sort of mental <laughs> illness but, but, but to but indulge where, in it. Where does that come from? That poorly being I don't know, it comes from, I don't know. I think it's the the kids do. Uh, do like to to uh, use opposites, don't they? To uh, as in their slang, I think maybe okay. it's 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 from there. And okay. you know, I, I also listen to the commentary on Oldham against Wrexham, which we'll come to uh, later on on BBC Radio Wales, uh, and as as well as something I forget what being a damp squid, which is always a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking as a fan of the IT crowd, where that phenomenon is fully explored, um, there were several references to the ball being crossed uh, with the outstep. Uh, as the what? opposite to the, the yeah, as the opposite to the instep. I mean, and it kind of makes sense. And I got a very clear mental picture of what had just happened. But it's not a word. No. <laughs> I mean, there there is a verb to outstep, meaning to do more steps than or to yes. step further than, but yes. not as far as I could find a noun describing the outer part of the foot. So no. kudos to BBC Radio Wales on that one. I can imagine Stephen Fry enjoying that. He's always yeah. talking about the language constantly growing, isn't he? He's yeah, and, and, and also uh, constantly listens to BBC Radio Wales as well. So there you go. Um, yeah. Is there a difference between BBC Radio Wales? Is there a North Wales and a South Wales? Uh, um, 
I don't think so. No, I mean they were they were still banging on about what was going on at Newport oh, uh, right. during the game. Um, well, any any uh, number of things have happened this week which we won't have time to get to uh, above and, and alone uh, above everything is of course the stadium tragedy in Indonesia and uh-huh. uh, was and remains bigger than anything else in sport and politics this week. Um, but but we, we, we won't go there because there's, there's much more to be discovered on that. Um, I think a um, cu- cu- couple of four things <laughs> that I noticed. There were there were, call, there were calls. There were calls for Serena Wiegmann to replace Gareth Southgate after the World Cup. No indication, yes. incidentally, where these calls came from. From um, the Wiegmann family, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or from the journalist who was writing the piece. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, um, and I also saw that the you know the North v South All Star game that Ted Bowley was was banging oh, on yes. about. Um, well, that uh, that was uh, deemed not to be a stupid enough idea. So now they're suggesting <laughs> all-star league internationals, which is like Serie A versus the Premiership or Premiership uh. versus League One type thing. Um, these are ideas dreamt up by people who know nothing about the game and may well work for comic books because when, when I saw that, I was just for some unknown reason uh, reminded most of all of the great late 70s comic strip, which was Superman and Fonzie versus Hitler. Um, <laughs> which, which I have to say is, is the way these games seem to be going. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Just off the side of my head, I think Fonzie could have taken Hitler on his own. But still. <laughs> I think so. There was some news, which is a bigger news for footballers, frankly, than it would ever be for me. But the uh, furore over the 45p top tax rate first being cut and then being reinstated. Uh, when many Tories said they thought it was unsellable as a, as a policy. It was an enjoyable and funny little period, with Labour yes. suddenly having a 33-point advantage in the polls. But what struck me was how strongly reminiscent it was of Liz Truss's behaviour in the leadership election in yeah. the summer. She proposed something stupid. Everyone would point out that it was stupid and why. And then she'd immediately drop the idea, whatever it was, like she'd yeah. never even thought of it. And yeah, yeah. clearly she's decided to lead precisely as she campaigned. So I guess you'd say uh, the Tories have got exactly what they voted for. And Ooh. she has the stamp of approval as a result of this this week's fiasco, yeah. stamp of approval from Trump, which is the last thing you need. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, the other thing it reminded me of was uh, United being about to buy Marco Arnautovic. And then suddenly realising that it was no one liked the idea, so oh, we'll just drop that. No, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I, That's I, not I, happening. I, I, and it reminded me, because I'm a more trivial person than you, um, uh, although you did bring up the Anatovich thing, it reminded me of Swindon sacking Lou Macari and then oh? reappointing him the week afterwards. <laughs> uh, uh, that, that it, sh- it should be called the Macari rate of tax, I think. <laughs> um, TalkSport, well, I saw, had that great story. I think it was um, uh, Darren Ambrose told the story about Neil Warnock. Did you see that Neil Warnock who came into the dressing room before a cup game and decided, said he was going to play fullback Danny Butterfield. This was when he was at Palace up front mm. because mm. his wife had dreamt that he was going to score a goal that day <laughs> and, and he scored a hat-trick in the first 12 minutes <laughs> which is superb it is absolutely fantastic. God knows what Alex, Alex Neal's wife was dreaming about on Saturday before our game against Watford. But I can I'm, I'm imagining that, that she was having trouble sleeping uh, yes. both before and after. Yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> there have been, uh, just bring it back to Tory politics for a moment, um, there have been mixed reviews for This England, um, not me, the uh, Sky docudrama series about Boris Johnson, which mixes real footage and dramatic reconstructions. I don't know if you've seen any of that. I'm looking forward to the bit where they show the real news story breaking about how Kenneth Branagh is going to be playing Boris Johnson, with Kenneth Branagh as Boris Johnson reacting to that news and slagging off the wig 
and then the scenes where somebody else plays Kenneth Branagh talking about how he's looking forward to the challenge. Maybe Boris Johnson could do yeah. that, play yeah. Kenneth Branagh finding out he's going to play Boris Johnson. It's going to be so messy. It's going to be, it's layer upon layer upon layer, Chris. Thames. And I mean, just another <laughs> point about this England, the response to this England. I mean, who writes a review about a wig? Obviously, it's a wig. We know what Kenneth Branagh's hair is really like. So yeah. what's the point of saying Kenneth Branagh in an obvious wig? Obviously, it's a wig. Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes. Mike Myers as the bald Doctor Evil. <laughs> yes. Clearly, uh, a bald wig. wig. Obvious bald it's wig. Bald wig. <laughs> yes. Because I've seen him with hair <laughs> elsewhere <laughs> in the same film. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, Real Madrid confirmed their commitment to the European Super League. Um, surprisingly, um, Wrexham I saw are going to Blyth Spartans in the FA Cup fourth qualifying round as a special nostalgia gift for those of us over the age of fifty-nine. Um, it also means. <laughs> That they're going to bring up the fact that Bly Spartans beat us in the uh, in the third round of the cup. Yeah, we're going to see that fourth round Mickey's, of the cup. That Mickey Thomas goal from '92 as well. We're going to against see that Arsenal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. And it's yeah. a shame in a way that um, uh, there was a replay last night between Chester and Hanley to see who would play <laughs> Oldham in the fourth qualifying. Yeah. And you know, it's a shame we didn't get you know to your local your local team. Yes, it's one to, of the six towns. Yeah. One of the six times, that's right. It's an indication of how far Oldham have tumbled, I'm afraid. We used to have uh, big clashes on a level playing field against Stoke and then yeah. latterly against Port Vale well, and, yeah. and then imminently Hanley Town, although they lost to Chester. So it's yeah, they did lose for, they lost one and who knows yeah. how long, Chris, until Oldham play me in the FA Cup. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's part of the whole list, you know. I'm, I'm down near the bottom, admittedly. Um, there's going to be a yeah. daily music festival, I see, in Qatar, run by Arcadia of Glastonbury fame. And for 50 yeah. quid a day, fans can watch the games on TV, listen to dance music and drink alcohol. And that will be a unique opportunity to do those things in Qatar. However, come to Stoke and those things are daily occurrences. You can do that any day of the week. Uh, sit, get pissed, listen to to music and watch telly. Yeah, well, I know it was interesting, isn't it? The, uh, the the Qatar thing. I mean, it's amazing to me that every story about what the fan experience is going to be like is about how they're going to be able to drink. As yes. the, uh, England, the, uh, the headline for that thing, or the uh, the Arcadia thing, was England fans can drink for nineteen hours a day. <laughs> yes, you know, and I'm not sure they can. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think fans can drink, apparently, in this Glastonbury uh, venue that they're going to uh, erect there uh, from 10 a.m. to 5 a.m. the following day. And I think if I started drinking at 10 a.m., I'd be asleep before the end of Bargain Hunt, frankly. Yes. <laughs> but I think it's amazing to see these the, the indulgently liberal attitudes to the drinking in a state where it's hitherto only been legal within very tightly regulated parameters in hotel bars or something. At the same time, Football is absolutely flagellating itself with the return of bad behaviour, apparently fuelled by alcohol and yep. cocaine. And the one place where you might actually expect there would be a bonus to hold a football tournament where there would be a tight rein and all that is absolutely throwing its restrictions in the bin and positively inviting pissed up rampages they have no experience at all of dealing with. Yeah, and, and, so it, and, it just seems like a, an odd way round to me. Well, and, and also taking away, you know, one of the great joys of foreign travel, which is, you know, experiencing local customs, you know, yeah. behaving in the way that you have to do in other countries. Yes, exactly. I, I think that's that's a, a great th a great thought about Qatar. That Qatar is is for some reason trying to make itself like football here. Uh, otherwise, people won't be able to understand it. They won't be able yeah. to understand what's going on if they can't get get pissed from ten in the morning.
Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and talk about uh, the the um, the Qataris have also responded to Hummel's criticism about you know about the shirts. That were going oh to yeah, wear, the plain shirt. They yeah, yeah, they didn't really want to to uh, align themselves with um, a tournament that uh, that has such terrible record for. Yes, they're supporting the Denmark team, but not the tournament. Y- yeah, 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 yeah. And and Qatar qu- uh, queried the figure for deaths. And to be, I've looked into this. To be fair, there have been varying figures quoted. I mean, none of them good, obviously. Uh, <laughs> the Guardian said that. Um, 6,500 migrant work- workers had died. Uh, International Trade Union Conference said um, uh, 1,200. Foreign embassies, um, uh, just talking about their own nationals, uh, 1,329. And even Gianni Infantino admitted, and this is absolutely true in a statement, that there had been deaths and published FIFA's official figure of three. <laughs> three. FIFA yeah, claim three is the yeah, number. Yeah, I think they claim that there were there had been... 37 deaths, which is a very much uh, underestimated by going by everyone else's calculation, but only three of them have been actually at work. Oh, right. Uh, on, the st- on the stadium. Yeah. Just so, um, staggering, yeah. Isn't it? No, um, it, it's a. Uh, anyway, on to, uh, <laughs> on to glitzier things. I was hoping this might have been uh, the last week I had to check in on Strictly Come Dancing and Tony Adams' attempt to become the first footballer to win the fabled prize, whatever it is. Uh, gold something or other the hallowed gold um something or other mirror ball or something is it yeah yeah, yeah yeah anyway last weekend was the first chance to see a celebrity eliminated and the headline <laughs> written in advance now that's a program i would love to watch <laughs> celebrity yeah, eliminations yeah. So the first is to see a celebrity put up against the wall and shot yeah, yeah. choose and your the, picked uh, man <laughs> <laughs> choose anton your celebrity dubeck. anton dubeck with a crossbow <laughs> <laughs> but the, the headline that everyone had written in advance was Adams gets the boot, of yes. course. But it was Kay Adams off of The Loose Women and not Tony, who did some sort of cockney knees up thing to my old man's a dustman. A lot of the actual heavy lifting was being done by the girl he was with. Well, actually did lift him up at one point. Uh, but it was a bit like watching pole dancing, except instead of a pole, it was like a stately English oak tree. <laughs> and my old man's a dustman has a, 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 an Arsenal football connection, like last week when they were dancing to uh, ultimately to 1-0 to the Arsenal. Arsenal fans, I'm led to believe, used to sing Arsene Wenger's magic, he wears a magic hat. Um, yeah. but, uh, Andy Ritchie, of course, is the one who was actually magic, and, and unlike Arsene Wenger, he does occasionally wear a hat, because, to quote a different song, he's got no hair, but we don't care. Care. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I I want to I want to talk about the championship, if I may. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I try not to to moan. I too dare much, you. <laughs> but it, 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 interesting that that I've decided that, and I, there's been calls for it for many years. I know I'm going to give the pro game another go. I think I may <laughs> still be able to pay at the at the well, the not quite top level. Uh, yeah. um, uh, is just let me ask: Is Steve Hodge planning a comeback at all? I don't or? know whether Steve is. Steve doesn't need to because he sold the Maradona oh, shirt for many millions Maradona. of pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Steve Hodge, of course, was was, was living was born a, his day, early he? retirement. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got his own island. Apparently, <laughs> I don't know whether he had or not. Anyway. Oh, did he sell it to Ronaldo? Oh. <laughs> he, he may well have done. He may well. No, it's just obviously, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reaching a significant. But well, I didn't really go with the whole idea of significant birthdays. The first one. That's a significant birthday. But after that, it's just a passing of time. But it has made me think about, about where I stand and, and, you know, and what happened to my professional football career. You're lucky if and, you still and, can stand. 
Yeah, well, exactly. And I and I I'm going to explain later, but I am perfectly qualified to 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 play in the championship. I'm going to come back to that, Chris, <laughs> if I may. But first of all, I, I want to say that there's a lot of nonsense spoken about how brilliant the championship is. And and it is competitive, that's true. And yes, there's a big prize at the end of it, and yes, there are lots of games, okay? And anybody can beat anybody else and all that stuff, which leads lots of people to say, Do you know, this is the this in many ways, this is the best league. I I just like to point out that it is not because for the most part it's pretty bloody awful it's cynical it's cautious it, it's full of fear players are playing for the chance um, on the whole of, of promotion and then knowing that they're never going to play at, at, the, at the higher level with that team and mm. and the only trickle down you get from the premiership um, in the championship is fear is is the fear like the bottom clubs there it, it's um it's it's an awful division, uh, you know. I have to say, um, very few teams believe that they can get on at all without the marginal gains or cheating. Basically, all well the financial fair play cheating certainly. There's a well, lot there, of that goes on. There's but overspending their budget on on the players to try and get them up there. Then, like Forrest did last year, doing it with loan players and then not being able to use those players once they get to them. Yeah, yeah. But when I'm talking about cheating on the pitch, I mean, basically, you know, the lead side of the early 70s, you know, who who would throw the ball mm. over your head and, and you know, and, and kick the ball away and little bits of this and little bits of that. I mean, that is enshrined now as professional behaviour. You know, it's good behaviour. Mm. It's, it's good, 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 correct way of, of managing well, a game. Well, yeah, I mean, I, uh, there will be complaints if you don't do that. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah you you get the feeling, don't you, that, that the manager would, would be upset with you, you know, if you, if you don't try and waste some money. Mm. So it's down to, I mean, partly it's down to a lack of confidence. So I don't think there's, there's more diving in the championship, but people will go down at the slightest touch. Now, I believe this to be because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one, they're coached to win free kicks. You know, this is clearly something they're told. Yeah. They will get in trouble if they don't go down. They want to have the control so that therefore we can reset now and we can make sure the defence, you know, is 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 where where they ought to be and the attack is here and and we're more in control. And it's a bit. It's a, I just think it's a bit like. It's just a lack of faith in what would happen if you didn't fall over. It's like settling out of court, isn't it? We'll 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 take uh, yeah. we'll take this rather than going for the the big prize, the big bucks. The, you know the possibility. Of well, a yeah, but also the t the whole terminology is the, that someone won. Well, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. that's the victory. That's the that's the uh, that's the uh, the thing you're trying to. Yeah, achieve. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then and then of course uh, it, you know, well, it's very risk averse. Um, so you know the, the the best thing, and I've said this before, the best thing that all the players can have happen to them is the game be stopped you know and 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 any excuse not to actually be involved in a live passage of play is taken well yeah i mean because in those moments in those 30 seconds that are being stolen from the supporters you know they're not having to play football but they are still professional footballers you know yes. they're still swaggering around yes. they're still wearing the kit yeah. But they're not actually having to play yeah. football and prove whether they're any yeah, good at yeah. all. Yeah, or, in, or indeed, <laughs> or indeed, um, take any risks, uh, any risks at all. So, in summary, I'm only going to just run this through. These are these are my idle thoughts as I approach my 60th birthday. So, 60 and above is that this is my uh, essay, sir. 60 and above is the perfect age yeah. to be a championship player because at my age, <laughs> there's nothing I like more than taking a little break and having a rest. 
okay, like a championship player. I constantly think I may be ill or injured, like a championship player. I am frightened of the consequences of risk, like a championship player. I suspect everyone else is getting something that I'm not, like a championship player. I despise authority, but expect protection, like a championship player. I am indecisive and would rather prevaricate than act, like a championship player. I'm quick to forget my own transgressions, but cling to those of others, like a championship player I suspect I am at the end of my usefulness and it scares me therefore I am a championship player and that's my birthday gift to myself <laughs> <laughs> how long is it since uh, you watched uh, a player play and thought I'm better than <laughs> <laughs> I don't when, when was the last time we played oh no I wasn't saying when was the last uh, yeah. time we played together. I can tell you exactly when the last time I did that was, which was um, uh, when Dean Windass, right at the very end of his career, was playing for Oldham um, away at Leicester. And in the first sort of 10 minutes, I looked at him and I thought, I'm quicker than him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, he may be better on the ball than me, but I can certainly beat him over 10 yards. And then um, he was man of the match ah. because our goalkeeper was sent off. He went in goal. He, he didn't save a penalty, but uh, the penalty was put wide because he was in goal, uh, because he seemed to be filling the goal <laughs> to yeah. such an extent that the Leicester player put it past the post. Yeah. Um, but that was but, must have been oh, uh, 2009. Uh, uh, that was in League uh, One, so I don't think I could be a champion. Well, I remember <laughs> when we had Paul Dyson playing, and my friend Stephen Kennedy saying Paul Dyson had had a particularly bad game, and he said, look, I'm not saying that I'm a better footballer than Paul Dyson, but I'd like to compare my job with his job. And at the time, Stephen was working at a petrol station, and in those days, you know, people came out and filled your car up for you. And he said, for me to be the equivalent in my job as Paul Dyson was in that game, I would have to go out, take the nozzle out of the petrol thing and then just spray it all over the forecourt <laughs> instead of anywhere near a car. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's kind of true. And talking of spraying it uh, all over the forecourt, I think we should take a quick break. Welcome back. Now, just to say, many of you will know quite how much we value Chris and, and we like to keep him safe. <laughs> we like to keep him safe. And in between shows, uh, we do wrap him up in tissue paper. Now, if any of you felt that there was a problem with the sound in the first half, that was because we'd failed to take the tissue paper uh, off. Uh, but we have done that now for the second half. And so untissue papered, uh, here is uh, Chris's <laughs> Oldham shit. I want, I want to uh, request bubble wrap. Uh, oh, yeah, thanks, yeah. Thanks we, we just worry about your breathing in the bubble wrap. <laughs> yeah. oh, let me worry about that. Okay. <laughs> anyway, now that the Premier League has lurched back into action after the international break, it's very easy to get distracted by the hat tricks and VAR controversies and goal of the season contenders. But let's not forget our purpose, which is to remind our listeners that it's not all glamour and glitz, especially down in the dead pool of the National League, where my team, Oldham Athletic, currently languish in, and this is true, their lowest league position since the last time people were getting used to singing God Save the King for the first time in decades. <laughs> Actually, though, having said that, it's not all glamour and glitz. Last weekend, Oldham took on the stars of the Disney Plus docu-series Welcome to Wrexham, one of whom actually is the Deadpool of the National League. It wasn't altogether clear whether Ryan Reynolds himself was at Boundary Park for the game. I guess we'll have to wait for the next episode of the series, which seems rather ominously to be entitled Playing the Worst Team in the League. Do they mean us? <laughs> 
Certainly there'd be plenty of mileage in a scene featuring the sometime Marvel superhero making small talk over a chicken bolty pie with our new owner, Frank Rothwell, who is very much from the Wallace and Gromit cinematic universe. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, uh, have you had a look at the Wrexham documentary at all? Have you had a look I, at I, that? I, 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 it passed me by. Or, Hilariously, or... they selectively subtitled the people talking. Not all of them, but some of them. Some of the players, the bloke in the burger van, they're not it's, speaking Welsh. They just yeah. are Welsh, and they subtitle them for an American audience. And some of them, not all of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, maybe it was a sprinkling of Hollywood glamour. There, uh, there's not all, there's not only Ryan Reynolds. There's also Rob McElhenney, the star of the sitcom. It's always sunny in Philadelphia who had the chance to find out what it always is in Oldham. But this was undeniably a big game for both teams, mystifyingly. There were 9,500 packed into Ice Station Zebra. Wrexham sold out their allocation well in advance, and it was our biggest crowd since we beat Liverpool in the FA Cup nearly 10 years ago, a match which is commemorated on the coffee mug I still make our Liverpool-supporting producer drink out of whenever he comes round to my house. Not as often as he used to, it occurs to me. But still, <laughs> I was listening to the game, courtesy of BBC Radio Wells, as I mentioned earlier on, whilst monitoring the discontent of those trying to tune into the I Follow Club commentary without success. Still haven't got round to changing my identity, as they suggested, to get hold of that. But anyway, the commentators weren't bad, actually. Not at all. Uh, a little bit biased, as you'd expect. They did try to pull off a tricky balancing act in which Wrexham were simultaneously the massive favourites and the plucky underdogs hoping to claim the massive scalp of the former Premier League giants, which was interesting, especially when Oldham took the lead midway through the first half and they started blaming the Welsh lads uh, quite bitterly for, for not living up to what they were expecting. And this was David Unsworth's first home game in charge after we were walloped away at Bromley the week before and the first time we could reasonably expect to register some kind of new manager bounce. Uh, how's Stoke's new manager bounce going, by the way? I saw they were outbounced by Slavin Bilic on yeah, Sunday. Yeah, they were. They, they, our, our new manager bounce is like the bounce of an anvil. That's, that's the sort of bounce it is at the moment. <laughs> yes, it's fall only broken by Wiley Coyote. Yeah. Exactly so. <laughs> by the sound of it, uh, Unsworth got a lot more effort out of the Oldham youngsters and they were closing down like fury, much to the annoyance of the BBC Radio Wales boys. Sadly, though, we ran out of steam entirely in the second half and were sitting back on our 1-0 lead until it became necessary to try and sit back on our one-all draw. And then we succumbed to a 96-minute penalty. Plus ça change, plus la même chose, as the the Germans say when they're taking the piss out of the French. It was interesting to note that the Welsh commentary pronounced it penalty and not penalty. It turns out it's only John Hartson who does that. Is it? And it's, and it's Penog in Stoke. We all shout Penog. Penog. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. John Hartson, I, bafflingly, John Hartson on the radio will call it a penalty. And I once heard him do it 12 times in a row. <laughs> does this during penalties, presumably? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, and well, I actually may have been during a, a, an actual penalty during the game, but there was a lot to discuss about whether or not it was a penalty. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it looks like Wrexham are going to be the team to catch this season in the National League. They went top as Chesterfield lost at home to Maidenhead, who we play next. And then they lost to Notts County, who went above them, I think, last night. But uh, and last night, we welcomed Scunthorpe United, who, like us, dropped out of the league. Like us, have found life tricky in the non-league void. And like us, have changed manager a few games in. 
Oldham have been trying in recent days to sign their striker, Joe Nuttall, and apparently agreed a fee with Scunthorpe, but the player doesn't want to leave. Or maybe he does want to leave, he just doesn't want to come to Oldham. Mm -hmm. Uh, But naturally, he played against us, and naturally, he scored. We got a draw, though, the first point of the Unsworth era, and so it's off to Maidenhead on train strike day. Looking forward Mm -hmm. to that. I'll be poorly well, I, that day. <laughs> I, I, because we played on Sunday, obviously I was I was keeping an eye on uh, on your score and uh, it was heartbroken to find the the 90 plus 6 penalty going. I think, uh, you know, as you know, the written word's my first love. I think I sent you a rather fine summation of, of how I felt oh, um, by yes, text, it was, did it I not? Just, yeah, one word, wasn't it? Yeah, It I was. It was very, yeah, and ha- yeah. four letters. It was, it? Yeah, it yeah. was ending in CK. Uh, yeah, it was indeed yeah. Mac. Um, <laughs> I have to say, from my point of view, this was this was plucky Oldham against big spending Wrexham. So um, you know, I, I, I definitely felt I felt um, robbery, but I had no particular reason to know why I thought it was robbery. Uh, did they actually deserve to win? Um, I well, I was only listening on the radio. It sounded like it sounded like um, Oldham uh, were much much better in the first half than they were in the second half, and that they just ran out of legs because they've 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 not. Um, no one there, uh, in the Oldham Forum or anything is very impressed with the fitness levels of the players. They seem yeah. to stand off a lot. They seem to they seem to be um, out of out of energy after about an hour, and so uh, we, and we get pushed further and further back and are defending our own area for the last passage. And that that will yeah, more often than not will go wrong, won't it? Yeah, well, that's and, and that's one of the uh, one of the uh, uh, moans that Alex Neil has about the Stoke team is that that, that they're just not fit. Yeah, um, yeah, and, that, and it's, it's the, the it's the one thing on the shirt. it's the one thing you can do something about. You know, they're yeah. not <laughs> not fit to wear the shirt. Yeah, <laughs> the players are just not fit to wear, to the, wear shirt. the shirt. <laughs> I, was there, was, there was much much talk before the game of well, he's had the two weeks of the international break to yes. to knock this Stoke side into shape. Yeah, because that's that's how long it takes. That's yeah. how long it takes to improve your match fitness. <laughs> to, 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 uh, uh, I don't to, know why to, they bother about the preseason thing. To, Talking about having time, I heard a very good, a very good phrase on the radio, which was um, uh, about Diego Costa making his debut for um, yeah. the Wolves at West Ham, and one of the commentators said, "Well, it's going to take him six or seven weeks to hit the ground running." <laughs> okay. think, no, 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 no. no, no. You've kind of missed how that works. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, exactly. yes, I'd, I'd, I'd kind of given up on watching on watching after after Sunday. So I, I missed well the, uh, on Sunday. The, Manchester though, Derby. the, you know, yeah. the biggest game of the weekend, the Manchester Derby, and you know, uh, well, no, Stoke Watford, notwithstanding. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I suppose the big questions being asked before it actually uh, before it actually started were to do with United's revival, weren't they? After the Rocky start. They seem to have found a bit of form, annoyingly, basically since they stopped putting Harry Maguire in the team. And maybe their new defensive pair of Martinez and Varane could actually stop Erling Haaland. Maybe they were shaping up to actually challenge under Eric Ten Hag, who Guardiola was cheekily suggesting would be his perfect successor. Um, it didn't take long, though, did it, for the answers to emerge? And they were not fun for the red but, half. 4-0 no, uh, down at half time. It, it was interesting, as you say, that before the game, and I was sort of kind of kind of aware of the game, um, that um, you know a lot of the a lot of the pundits said, "Well, I think you're going to see a different United today." You know, I think mm. this this is going to be a lot closer than you know, and all that. Well, sort you know, of, and we did see a different United says, to the one from the last sort of four or five weeks. We saw the one that played Brentford is the one that we saw, yeah, but yeah. Um, and which is uh, you know is, is interesting from a from a psychological point of view. I mean, they they were clearly. 
um, not expecting to win. It, that's what they look like. They were clearly expecting. Well, this is going to go badly. Let's just get it over with. It's how yeah. they. It's what they looked like when they were playing. Yeah. Um, you know, and four 0 down at half time, just like they were against Brentford, and just like at Brentford, there were hundreds of United fans streaming out of the ground, presumably off to hunt for glory elsewhere with no time to lose. Ten Hag said afterwards, "We folded like a pack of cards." Have you ever tried folding a pack of cards? It's a lot it harder than it makes it sound. <laughs> yeah. All than City made it look. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah, they ripped I mean, the us star- apart like the yellow pages. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Tore us in half like Bob Mortimer with an apple. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, it's interesting that um, Ivan Drago has started making pronouncements now after a quiet start in which his boots have been doing the talking. And they're chatterboxes, aren't they? But if he sounds a little bit arrogant. Well, he's got a few things to be arrogant about just now, hasn't he? He said, um, if I time my run correctly, then no one can stop me. I haven't heard him speak, but if he doesn't sound like a Terminator, I'm going to be seriously disappointed. <laughs> or like, or like uh, Radio Wolfcastle. You know, yeah, yeah, on, yeah, yeah, yeah. On closer inspection, these are loafers. Up um, and at them, yeah. Up yeah, and yeah. at them, exactly. Um, and so Harland and his father, Alf Inger, have been talking about having had a short list of seven clubs in the summer where Erling could advance his career, ranking them by various categories, one of which was, do they really need a number nine? <laughs> and another was, are they prepared to pay an absolute shitload of cash? Now, it felt like this story was timed to come out just before the derby as a put down to United, who didn't make Ireland's shortlist, despite desperately needing a number nine yeah. and being prepared to shell out an absolute shitload of dust. It's Wednesday, as we speak, and um, Man City are already trying to extend Harland's contract. Yeah. They, uh, they, uh, eight, eight games. Games, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, because obviously he's he was already the hottest property in the, in the game, and then they got him, and now he's twice as hot as he was. Yeah, <laughs> and he's also apparently been directly messaging and instructing Jude Bellingham to join him at City. And you want to say, no, we barely started liking him. Don't fuck it up yet. <laughs> Still, I mean, there's no denying that he's been taking an absolute hammer to Premier League goal scoring records to such an extent they might have to start actually referencing records from beyond the, yes. uh, the Premier League era for once. Yeah. You can already hear Alan Shearer say, "Yeah, well, he's beaten me, but what about Dixie Dean?" Yeah. You know, you can already hear him <laughs> grumbling about And if you mention Dixie Dean, you just out of fairness, you have to mention George Campbell. George Campbell, yes. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. previous record holder. He's got yeah. 59 the season before, the season before yeah. An, un, an unimaginable total. Yeah. <laughs> 12 months later. And yeah. de- destined to be the Buzz Aldrin of goal scoring. <laughs> Second is right after first, as uh, <laughs> Simpson said. Yeah. yeah. But um, And the hat trick, uh, incredibly, his third in, in the Premier League in just his eighth game. The previous fastest to three hat tricks. Did you see this statistic? It was Michael yeah. Owen, Owen, who took 48 games. Yes. And he, and, and he was like lightning. He did three in a season. Yeah. But um, Haaland has done three home games in a row. <laughs> Ronaldo has three Premier League hat tricks, full stop. <laughs> And in 196 games, yeah. so it's an incredible, it's incredible stuff. Who's going to stop him? You know, and how? And not by having Christian Eriksen mark him at corners. That's for fucking sure. <laughs> now, just I mean, just I mean, I didn't, I didn't watch the game because I was tragically cooking lunch for my two mates from Watford who come to my house after uh, you know uh, um, already um, feasting upon uh, my team on your um, bare bones. Yeah. So I, I was, I was kind of looking in and out, but I did see that one when he where he slid in at the at the back post, and it was just so far away from just sliding in at the back post. It was getting to the back post in a particular way in order to then. Convert in a fantastic finish. You know, yes. he wasn't 
It wasn't just was, arriving at the same time as the ball, was it? it was, no, I mean, was he was sliding before yeah. he decided where his foot needed to be. Yeah. Yeah. So he was sliding, yeah. and then the ball was a bit higher than he and he was, was able, while sliding, to yeah. lift his leg up and put it there. Now, I mean, he's a, he's a colossal player. And the hope for the rest, which is boosted, I think, by his fate-tempting Ivan Drago overconfidence, because, you know, a Rocky Balboa will come along and twat him. That's the hope. But um, it comes from his tendency to um, injure himself. I mean, he's only managed 20 games in each of his last couple of seasons at Dortmund because of tweaking his giant hamstrings, which I imagine make a noise like a double bass. But um, maybe, you know, <laughs> <laughs> should have sent him a bottle of salad cream with a ribbon on it, you know. Yeah. Because there yeah. was another entry, wasn't there, in the salad cream file this week? Did you see that? Players injuring themselves while not playing football. Courtney Baker-Richardson of Crew, their top scorer this season, injured himself whilst loafing on his sofa playing Xbox, tweaked a leg muscle. And the story doesn't say what game he was playing, but I like to think he was playing FIFA and just got too into a bit of the skill he was trying to, and was trying to play along. Yes. You know, and just twanged his uh, leg muscle. And at least you can you know, almost call it a football injury if it was FIFA. Yeah. But these sofas, though, you know, they look so inviting but they can be out to get you know the unsuspecting player Rio Ferdinand Robbie Keane both ruled themselves out of games reaching for the remote control <laughs> and there's cars cars not accidents necessarily <clears throat> yes Frankie Bunn uh, scored six for Oldham against Scarborough all over the papers dressed as a cowboy because he was a six shooter you know uh, yeah, got yeah, overexcited yeah. bought himself a low slung sports car gave himself a career ending injury trying to get into it yeah and, there's quite a few of those aren't there there's quite a few well Alan Wright as well the, the tiny Aston Villa fullback strained a leg muscle trying to reach the accelerator in his new car <laughs> he had, he had just, adjusted his booster seat yes, sure, surely history tells us you know if you're that small you tie a brick to your foot yeah Yes. We've yeah, seen it like many times in the Indiana Jones film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, I did see. Um, uh, there was a, a, a somebody forwarded me a tweet from Mark Watson, um, who said he said that 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 uh, um, uh, that Harland should go to the World Cup and be available to all teams for twenty minutes, <laughs> which I thought was a really nice idea, just because he should be there. You, know, you can play <laughs> like a joker. <laughs> well, he should in a, in the in the sort of George Best way. You know, where the, he's the best player in the world. He should be at the World Cup, but. Yeah. But but yeah. there was another really good tweet since you mentioned uh, the Twitter. Um, uh, there was the obligatory shot during the game of Ferguson in the stand looking miserable as sin, which yeah. does warm the cockles of the heart, doesn't it? Somewhat. Yeah, yeah. But David Speedy uh, tweeted this still of Ferguson along with the caption, it's how I felt when he left me out of the 86 World Cup squad, <laughs> which I think is excellent, I think, to hold a grudge for 36 years, 36 years of hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and of course, um, Ferguson was then pictured, of course, being miserable at Anfield uh, two days yeah. later, watching his beloved Rangers lose. Rangers, so, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I like the speedy thing because <clears throat> it's a little bit self-deprecating, isn't it, to even mention, even yeah. to even mention it. But then he went on. Long may it continue, <laughs> which goes that little bit further, doesn't it? Yeah, it's no maybe for an, 36 years. <laughs> yeah, there's no hint of an olive branch there. Those bygones, decidedly not bygones. They have not been allowed to become bygones. And I admire that. I admire that. Yeah, anyway, right. yeah. I mean, Harling's, Harling's hat-trick in the United game came with two assists for Phil Foden, for good measure. Foden yeah. looked... You didn't get to see the game. It was interesting watching Foden after... Uh, the England games because he just looks unshackled compared to his games for England. The city setup gives him like the freedom to pop up everywhere, and he's really, really fast. Yeah, and yeah, so it's an interesting contrast. Eh? Well, he had fewer touches apparently than he had in his England, but there were many more in the danger area. Yeah, yeah. and maybe he should be a you know maybe he should be played centrally. Maybe he should be a central. What? 
But I think I think the point is 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 exactly that. Yes, the city the city uh, setup gives him freedom, but there is no doubt he is being shackled when mm. he plays for England. He is being told there are things he mustn't do. He is. Yeah. I mean, you never see him. You in that that last England game, he was out wide on that right all the time. You never you mm. never saw him anywhere else really. You yeah, know, and was, I, I, you know the argument is that he's that he's it's not his game to be. To be the wide uh, right striker, because yeah. you know he's played eighteen games for England. He's only got two goals or something, and he's like, and you know, they're good goals, I'm sure. But if, I think if he was played in midfield, you'd get he'd be in the game more. You'd get more out of him. And and they keep describing him as a once in a generation talent, don't yeah. they? Which is yeah. which. Interestingly, they also say about Jude Bellingham, who's pretty much the same. Generation. generation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was writing of a, a discussion I heard on uh, TalkSport a few uh, a couple of weeks ago when uh, Roger Federer announced his retirement um, about whether he was the GOAT, you know, yeah. uh, whether it was Nadal or, or Djokovic. And someone said, well, you can have more than one GOAT. Uh, you know, yeah. and, instead of, and instead of everyone going, shut up, <laughs> they actually talked about, well, yeah, so suppose we've got three goats. You can't have three goats. No, no. What, no, does, the, no. what does the G stand for? <laughs> no. But anyway. Absolutely, absolutely. It was a bit of a no contest, unfortunately, the Manchester Derby, as so many City games are, especially at home, when they routinely score at least three goals, mostly hat-tricks. Um, it lends credence to the notion, which I've seen expressed uh, around the place, that football clubs sometimes seem solely engaged in the mean-spirited business of arranging themselves in financial order, and you know, hence the assumption that Newcastle will soon be uh, contending. But given their huge financial advantage, City having Haaland feels it feels massively unfair somehow. It's like you've, it's like they've not only got more money than anyone else, they've also been allowed to kick downhill in every game. And they got him for 51 million, which is Wan-Bissaka money, isn't mm. it? Yeah. But it was interesting, though, from the point of view of financial determinism, that um, it was mentioned during the derby that United and City are roughly equivalent in terms of what they've spent. Just United have spent them on much uh, inferior players. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Although they did buy Odeon Igalo didn't they? They so did. And, they, have, and they do have the goat, uh, obviously, on the bench, don't they? And they're yes, not bringing they him on. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and it was interesting, I thought, I don't know whether you followed this, um, that Ten Hag said after that he hadn't brought Ronaldo on when they were 4-0 down out of respect for Ronaldo. And Roy Keane, simultaneously, it was saying that it was massively disrespectful to Ronaldo not to bring him on. It's yeah. like they can't work out what the respectful thing yeah. to do is to Ronaldo. Well, and Carragher, I saw, said that um, there was all this fuss about Ronaldo making a big difference. But he had also started the game at Brentford, which they were 4-0 down at half-time as well. <laughs> yes. It's not like, you know, it, 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 it's one or the other. I have to say that I'm just a bit depressed now that you've told me all of that stuff because I've realised that Alex Ferguson didn't pick me for the 1986 Scotland World Cup squad either. So maybe I when should be. When you were be. in your prime. I was in. A, I probably was just about in my prime. I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's 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 very uh, annoying too. Um, Arsenal continue to make their case, didn't they, as City's main challengers? And who knows? Maybe you know, twenty points behind will be good enough for second this year. I um, mean, they're top just now and looking pretty tasty, winning the North London derby. A brilliant goal from Thomas Party, identical to a Fulham goal in the goal of the month shortlist on the same match of the day too. Did you see the Arsenal, uh, talking about time-wasting, uh, as we sometimes do, did you see uh, that Shaka 
who Arsenal fans like now. They hated him, didn't they, a while yes. back? They like yeah. him now. He called all the players over for a huddle and a team talk straight after they scored their first. It's a bit early. for. It was in the first half. It's a bit early for time-wasting. But, it, you know, it's time that doesn't get on, get added on. But you, are and, you sure it wasn't some sort of goal celebration? Because you'd never be sure. No, they'd done the goal celebration and, they'd, and then they were breaking away and he called them back. He gathered them all back. And notes? I, 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 it could have been notes like a director yeah, does. Maybe yeah, it was it notes, notes on the goal celebration. What are, you know? what are the Spurs players supposed to be doing during that while this is going on? Yeah. Uh, I think, and Michael Oliver only added two minutes at, at the end of the City United game, even though there were eight second-half subs and he's supposed to add 30 seconds for each one. I mean, what are we supposed to make of the... the time thing but anyway there is a little bit of um oh did you see i wanted to ask you did you see the uh, leicester forest game on monday no nope. i'm not the, watching uh, football i've told you ah okay should we do a podcast about something else yeah <laughs> <laughs> no the thing i liked about leicester forest game because they were the bottom two because both Brendan Rodgers and Steve Cooper were presumed to be teetering on the brink it was dubbed dubbed by the newspapers yeah el sacico <laughs> which I've done what? You heard me. El Sacico. <laughs> and uh, in, you know, in the end, Leicester showed what, the, what what they've struggled to show this season, that they've got some really good players. And Forrest have... Um, and there's a rumour that Rafael Benitez is waiting for the nod, waiting for the axe to fall. Um, but there was a story that the Forrest owner is actually looking to sack all the recruitment guys, which you very rarely see. They don't usually get to carry the can, when, but they've bought so many players... Yeah. And it's it's uh, so I guess they're an extreme case, aren't they? But Steve Cooper is it's hard to blame him if he's not been buying the player. If they've been buying the players and they've been foisted on him, yeah. it's hard to know how much input he had. But he did. I remember him saying he was really looking forward to the transfer window closing because no other players would be turning up, and as though it's not like his it's not like his team yet. And it'd yeah. be really harsh to dump him. I think. It, it was an interesting when, when he, we had Tony Pulis on the show, and he he he's very much of, of of the opinion that maybe other heads should be rolling before the managers. Uh, yeah. not, you know, not in every case, but it's as if that isn't possible. And uh, I remember when when we were quite keen to get rid of Gary Gary Rowett, <laughs> um, <laughs> talking to my mates and saying, "Well, look, if you want to get rid of him, and and uh, you know, other people had come up with this idea too. You do you sing for the for the chief executive to be sacked." And then sure enough, you'll find the manager goes pretty soon after that. Because the chief executive does it. That's the last thing he wants is somebody shouting, you know, whoever it may be, out. Um, um, because they're, they're hoping to, to be under the radar. And it does. I'm not saying it always works, but it, but it also seems to me to be a legitimate um, um, area of complaint, to tell you the honest truth. Yeah, but I think, I, I think to specifically say... The recruitment team, which is what the Forest guy is apparently looking at. I mean, it may turn out that Steve Cooper's been sacked while we're talking and we haven't found out yet. But but yeah. to sack the recruitment team, I mean, this is what Oldham didn't do while we were you know, ploughing our way down the league um, with a sporting director who was the chairman's, um, the owner's brother. And he was making all the signings and this, you know, manager after manager was carrying the can for them. Right? Yeah, I think the thing about Steve Cooper, Steve Cooper does get sacked, and the press don't know, and they see they see him leaving the training ground. There's going to be no clue on that face as to whether he's happy or sad. Is there really? No. Well, he, just, I, he, he may just have his eyes completely shut rather than just yeah. nearly shut. <laughs> anyway, exactly. with the uh, Qatar World Cup uh, only fifty days away, less than fifty days away, the world of sport is still going full steam ahead on the old sports washing front. Did you see who's just been awarded the 2029 Asian Winter Games? The skiing, you know, the curling. The North Korea? Hat. No, Saudi Arabia, that's who. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be in a place called 
Petrogina Neom City, which yeah. is a planned mountain resort, and it hasn't been built yet. No. <laughs> so no. no one knows if it's going to work, not no. until 2026. There no. will be some snow, apparently, up at the very top of the mountains, but mm. they're going to be creating an awful lot of the artificial kind in order to hold the winter games in the desert. And you wonder whether they might actually find a use for those motorised clouds that they were going to try in, <laughs> in Qatar. It's, it's only a matter of time, isn't it, before, before Burkina Faso uh, hosts the America's Cup. It's going to be the next thing. It's just... It's if, just, they, I, if they have them, if they've got the money, if they've yeah. got the money to bribe the the appropriate committee, yeah. Did you see that the Man City owner Sheikh Mansour is apparently uh, facing a Foreign Office investigation for helping Russian oligarchs to hide their jets and yachts from being seized as part of anti-Russian sanctions, including Roman Abramovich's three hundred twenty million pound plane. Yeah. Apparently, uh, property prices surging in the in the Emirates with all the Russian billionaires setting up there after being booted out of Knightsbridge. And uh, this will only be under the UK Foreign Office's jurisdiction if he was in the UK when any sanction-busting activity was taking place, which means that somewhere in the Foreign Office, someone is going through old tapes of Match of the Day he's tried to spot him. (laughs) (laughs) He's more likely to have been hanging out with Bashar al-Assad in Syria, apparently. Well, you know, I I think it's nice to hear, you know, from from the Middle East, uh, uh, news of humanitarian actions like those of Sheikh Mansour, (laughs) looking after um, the yachts and and jets and indeed the oligarchs, um, you know, who are quite often at the bottom of people's list. Well, will nobody think? Will nobody think of the oligarchs? <laughs> yes, please. Will they not think of the oligarchs? <laughs> <laughs> and actually, not to be left let out, left out, the uh, the Newcastle one, uh, Yasser Al Rumayan, the head of the Saudi Investment Fund, he claimed this week that he'd been offered a thirty percent stake in Manchester United by the Glazers for seven hundred million on condition he wouldn't be allowed to interfere at all in anything. <laughs> It's a lot of money, isn't it, for a seat on the halfway line and a complimentary prawn sandwich. Yes. And uh, the fund ended up buying Newcastle entirely for half that, and he's actually allowed to play with it. It was really a much better deal. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, I'm going to um, I'm, I'm going to go and think whether I'm going to watch our game against Burnley tonight. I have a feeling I will just because I don't really have anything in my life. So even having a miserable time <laughs> watching the Burnley game might be better uh, than the alternative. Um, I, feel, I feel like that's you. You know, that's yeah. just you. Also, I've got to get fit, haven't I? Because I am a championship player. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network.